We are so proud to continue our partnership with Just Right Reader. Principals, directors, literacy leaders, curriculum queens, whoever you are, whatever your role, you know the importance of teaching reading skills with clear phonics focuses and ensuring that students have books in their hands that they can actually apply the phonics skill right away. That's right. You probably have had teachers who've gone through letters training or yep. Orton-Gillingham or other science of reading. reading trainings. And unless your students have decodable text to actually practice those skills in authentic ways, they're still not going to become the fluent readers that you want them to be. Right. When you teach them a phonics pattern like OU, you want the book that they're reading to have Repeated words with O-U in it. And guess where you can find those? www.justrightreader.com <laughs> Just Right Reader has a variety of decodables written by authors in-house to ensure that 90% of the text is actually decodable through predictable phonics patterns. The other great thing is they use a variety of modern topics yes. and the books represent all of our students and their families. It's amazing. Truly some of the best that we've ever seen. We only support products and we only advertise products that we love. So go on over to JustRightReader.com, request a free sample, Ooh. or you can even talk to Sarah and her team over at Just Right Reader and tell them that their modern principal sent you. They will work with you and get you the perfect quote for your school or district. That's JustRightReader.com. Trivia time. I'm ready. Did you know, teachers? Who get choice in their PD report that they are three times happier with that experience. Say what? That actually doesn't surprise me at all. It does not surprise <laughs> me either. That is why we support peer-driven PD. It really is a one-stop shop for all of your PD needs for the year or even longer. And it's about as high quality as you can get. We don't recommend products that we don't believe in. And we've spent some time watching a variety of these videos made by rock star teachers who are still in the classroom, and they are sharing those practices that actually move the needle on student achievement. It's really good stuff. It's going to increase student learning and improve relationships with kids. You want to know some of the videos you can find? I mean, they're so good. They're so specific. Tell our listeners some Here's of them. a few that I saw. I watched one that was Getting Students Unstuck with Math, one of my favorite topics. Love it. There's... Someone who loves teaching math, it is perfect. There's also project-based learning at yep. early elementary, building student agency with meaningful projects for secondary teachers. I mean, truly engaging in reluctant writers. Yes, and you know what else? They have performing arts teachers. Teaching PD for our special classroom teachers who literally never, never get time to collaborate with other fine arts. Nope, they never. They nope. never get it. Just released this fall, there's also a series of classroom management essentials. Amazing. Um, for upper elementary, early elementary, and secondary. That would be great for some new teachers. We know so many people are coming to the classroom without a lot of support. It could even be great for subs. Yes. So go to www.peerdrivenpd.com, request a quote, and tell them that the Modern Principal sent you, and you'll get 15% off All of your right. school subscription for the first year. What's that website again? www.peerdrivenpd.com. Awesome. I'm Christy. And I'm Karen. And welcome to The, the Modern, Modern Principal. Principal. Our platform is geared to three different kinds of school leaders. The potential principal, the, the practicing principal, and the post-principal. And that's why we created this podcast. It's short, sweet, and right to the point. Tackling a new topic sent in from our listeners each week. We look at that scenario through the lens of scholar, the research, system, sustainability measures, and soul, the heart of the matter. All the while, hopefully making you laugh and keeping it real. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Christy. How's it going? So good. How are you? So, so good. 
Um, so, so good. I was just traveling for work over the last few days. Yes. And um, I go, I have to usually fly on like a lot of small planes because I go to a lot of small towns. Oh, yes. And um, there was, we were on the plane, right? And it was an hour and 15 minute delay. Like we're just sitting on the tarmac because um, the weight of the plane wasn't right. And it was like kind of icy. And this man um, started not yelling at the flight attendant, but was like arguing with her and like, you should have taken volunteers back in the terminal and there's no reason to get us all on this plane. And she's like, sir, like we didn't know, but like, obviously we would have done that. Have you known? And so they kind of kept going like, man, like just kept like berating into her. And I was sitting across the aisle and I said, I think you're doing a great job. Yes, you did. Thank you so much for all you've done. Oh my gosh. So I just like interrupted and he stopped talking, but I was so mad. Oh my gosh. Do you remember when we took our kids to the amusement park over like a winter thing? They were so much younger. Yes. And this family was like yelling at this teen. The teenager. That was was running like a carousel or something. I don't even remember. Yeah, it was like a little kid ride. And they were yelling at her. Was it about the height of their kid? Yes. And so we like stepped in. And we both did. And yes. our husbands were both like in the back who were non-confrontational. Yeah. Like, and they're sweating. like these women. Yeah. But yes. it wasn't even confrontational. We were just sticking up. Yeah. Like you're doing a great job. I also. You some, have to stick up Somebody was switching seats on the flight. And like on those little planes, you have to be careful about switching seats because of the weight. Oh my gosh. That's so and, wild. Um, so. This I, flight you take is like 20 minutes, right? This was, yeah, it was like literally like a 20, 30 minute flight. And so then, um, I noticed and the girl next to me noticed who was kind of, I could tell like a nervous flyer. And so I asked the flight attendant, I was like, Hey, are we supposed to be switching seats right now? Yeah. And she goes, cause I said, isn't it, don't we have to be careful about the weight? And she goes, yeah, you're we're not supposed to be doing that. I was like, you might want to make an announcement because I've noticed some people switching. <laughs> My my husband's like, what are you doing? Like regulating this whole flight? I'm sorry. (laughs) We are educational leaders. We know how to do it. I did see a tweet about like the Southwest debacle and it was like, give this to a kindergarten teacher. They will have this figured out within 25 Mm -hmm. minutes. Yes. Like they know how to organize mass chaos. (laughs) One day. So that's funny. So anyway, yes, I was basically an honorary flight attendant this day. It's really hard. (laughs) I will tell you as a Karen, it's really hard for me not to be a Karen. But, like, in a bad way. Like, I try to be a good Karen and stand up for the workers. But because of my name, I have to be cautious. You do. You do. I do. Because you could become a stereotype really fast. Well, anytime I speak up, regardless, my husband says I'm being a Karen. Sometimes (laughs) I think if you're defending the worker. Yeah, the underdog. I'm always, like... That's not being a Karen. No. not That's the opposite of being a Karen. uh Uh-huh. Like in... I was going to say, my name spelled backward is Narak. And I thought I was so clever in third grade. I told everyone my new name was Narak. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we wonder why my daughter is odd. <laughs> Her mom went by Narak. <laughs> For a whole year. For a whole year. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's we get are. into it. We've got a scenario this week, and I think it will resonate with some of you. We get this question a lot in so much. Our, our messages. Um, so much. And it's right around that time. It is. It is right about that time where you start to think about it. So the speaking of, I'm going to do a plug. We have interview yeah. workshops. We have one scheduled for January, which will probably have already come by the time this pod comes out. But yep. we have another one scheduled for February. And literally... So many people have written us afterwards and been like, I got the job. Thank Mm -hmm. you. I got the job. I feel so much more confident that like we really do put a lot of work into them. And so hopefully if you're interested in moving positions, even if it's not into the principal role. Yeah. Any uh, leadership role. Yeah. Pop over to our modern principal website. Yeah. So the scenario this week, since we've kept you all waiting is (laughs) how in the 
world do I know when it's time to be a head principal or to go for the next step? I've been an assistant principal for years now, and everyone keeps asking why I'm not going for head positions. I don't really know why, and I have no idea how to know if I'm ready. Help! Stuck in San Diego. My favorite part about our podcast is when we come up with those names. I know, because we're genius. I know. I love alliteration. All right. How do you know when you're ready? Well, here's some. There's a lot of scholar. There's not a ton of scholar about, like, knowing when you're ready. Because literally, it's all about you. Yeah. And you can't write an article research-based about one individual. However, here's some things I can tell you. Because of COVID, principals are uh, leaving the profession much earlier. It's so there wild. will be openings. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty wild, at least in our area. And I I'm, I know it's actually all over the country. <laughs> yeah, I was reading on Ed Week. It said they did a survey with like a thousand principals or something. And over half of them said that they are considering leaving now. And, and they weren't before the pandemic. Yeah. And so it talked about how that's a great thing for new educational leaders because they can actually like, get in there and reinvent the role. Every couple of years we reinvent that. the role. I really love that perspective because I was like, where's this going? Why is that great? <laughs> well, but it makes sense. Right. Because we were a generation of leaders that reinvented the role. I feel like, I like so. the principle that we, the role that we did as principals was different than t- 15 years before. Oh, us. for sure. Yeah. And the people that will be stepping into the role have lived in the classrooms and know what it was like to teach during a pandemic. And so they might be the right people to steer the ship. Absolutely. I love that perspective. The other thing I'll say about that is because there are so many opportunities now to step in, read into that how you will. Um, Burnout still exists. Caution. Anyways, I will say that my husband was pointing this out to me the other day that like sometimes opportunities arise whether or not you're ready. Mm, And so that's. Yeah. Like that was kind of in the soul part for me was I purposefully went for admin intern and assistant principal jobs. But when my principal role came about, it wasn't like an application thing. Like there was an opening in the district and they came to me and I was perfectly content being an assistant principal at the time and loved it and was growing. But when opportunity calls, (laughs) right. Sometimes opportunity is your sign. Yeah. Yeah. Like as simple as that. And there will be opportunities. There you go. The other thing, um, I read a lot of articles talking about like just being really familiar with the duties of the role before you go into it. Mm -hmm. And even as a teacher or an instructional coach or an assistant principal, I think assistant principals probably know the full duties better than those other positions. But you may think you know what the principal does, but really being intentional about talking to principals and or reading up on what it looks like. I would say you'd have to talk. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've never read anything that like actually, well, even in when we got our degree. Yeah. It wasn't nearly what the role actually was. Right. But I felt like to the best move I made was getting into a building level role as opposed to classroom level. So we both did instructional coaching and always felt for like sure. that was like the best next step we could for have sure. done to get like a feel for what the whole building looks like. Yep. But it definitely did not prepare me for all of the things that my principal was doing behind the scenes that I wasn't aware of. Right. So one of some of the things that I found in articles that was um kind of a good way to summarize some of the characteristics of the role. One of them is that you will be literally asked to successfully manage a lot of personalities. A lot. Um and so you have to have built up your social skills um and your ability to manage human nature. And human development. Mm -hmm. And so that's something to think about. Do you feel strong in that area within yourself right now that you feel really competent in your ability to deal with strong personalities and dealing with the way that they develop? The other thing is that to think about is that the job does come with high burnout. 
Um, and that is I mean, literally what we wrote our dissertation about. Mm-hmm. Um, it has heavy le- workloads, bureaucratic roadblocks, disagreements. Conflict is one of the things that leads principals to burnout that we don't think about. And you will have conflict with staff, students, and your community, as well as your bosses from time to time. And so given that workload, you have to have... You should go back and listen to our old pod about balance last mm-hmm. that we just recorded. But you have to be able to recognize that your self-care, whatever quote you want to use, will not be a priority at the beginning. You will- No, I, yeah, I do think that that's really important to make sure it's at a time in your life because I do believe that you can be a principal and have some semblance of, of balance in a whole life. I don't know that you can do it your first year. And what's interesting, and we'll talk about this next week. <laughs> Maybe I'm we, wrong. When we record the next pod, but... um we talked about just this morning about how we're as both of us have left the principalship this year and doing different roles in education. We now think we could do it better. Oh yes. Because we've seen what matters since we've moved to more of a district. Uh, Yeah. Like a broader scope and that um, we wouldn't get, we wouldn't lose as much sleep or time over certain things that we prioritize that we wouldn't prioritize anymore. Yeah. So, but you just have to recognize that until you have lived it for so long, you as a person cannot, won't be prioritized in that first year. No. Until you figured out your balance. Yeah. So you have to be ready for that. I'm not saying it's terrible. No, it's terrible. The first year was terrible. It's It's hard. It's like the, it's like a baby. It is. If you've had a child and you know how you have a baby that first year and you're like, oh my God, nobody told me how hard this is. That's what I felt like the principalship was like. Yep. It's something you can't prepare for until you do it. No. And everybody's heart is so different in that first year because every building has its own little personality and works and needs. So the other thing that the scholar that I found was pretty like a solid summary of a skill you'll need to be comfortable with before you jump in is that you'll have to deal with negativity. So you have to be ready to face criticism on a regular basis. And everyone always says, like, I don't do criticism well. I don't. No one does it well. No one likes no being one criticized. Likes to be. <laughs> you just have to go in with that model that here's what I keep saying over and over. Like, you're going to be disliked no matter what. So the main. Somebody. Somebody's going to dislike you. So you just need to be. One of our systems we'll talk about is you need to start really finding your voice and your values so that you stand for something because you're going to be disliked no matter what. So you might as well be disliked for being true to what you (laughs) That's such a good point. I love that. I love that. I think I'm going to put that on a quote on Instagram. Oh my gosh. That's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you. But the other, the last thing that I'll say, and this is something that Christy and I feel really strongly about. People always say like, I've only been in the classroom three or four years. So we found some averages in different articles Mm -hmm. I read was about the average principal spends about 12-ish years In in the classroom. But guess what? Women spend way more than that, and men sp- spend way less. Statistically, men spend between five to seven, and women spend over twelve. Um, You're ready. You are the opposite of that. You you led more like a man, right? How many years? I you led like? like a man. That's right. I was classroom Isn't teacher. Isn't that a Taylor Swift song? Is it? If I were a man, if uh-huh. I was a man, something like that. Something like that. Um, yeah, I was in the classroom for four years, and then did instructional coaching for three. And I was a, I was a teacher for seven and then did other roles for one. So I was eight. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, just know that like there are opportunities that people will take that are less qualified than you. Yep. And research supports that. (laughs) (laughs) So a few things that you can start doing right now, if you feel like you're ready is to start thinking about your teacher leadership, or if you're an instructional coach, um, wherever you are, like this is really about if you're ready to move to that next step. But especially building principalship, like you need to make sure that you start 
quantifying your work now. So start looking at um, your role in terms of an entire building and not just a classroom. So if you are on leadership teams, BLT, Principals Advisory Committee, whatever it is, PBIS, um, start really thinking about how your role is impacting the building at large because that is important. It's not just about you and your classroom when you're a building leader. Right. And the other thing that that will do is start showing you that you are ready. It'll Mm -hmm. just give you confidence to know that you are making an impact. We talk about, it's really good to quantify the work you're doing within a classroom. So if you're not collecting, because literally what a principle is, it's people and it is proving that you have an impact really. And so you proving and quantifying your impact as a teacher will give you like experience learning how to quantify impact, but it's also really important to start talking about how your impact with other adults is going. We do a lot about with that within our interview class too. So if that's something that you struggle with, that's certainly something if you join our interview class, we can help you with. Yeah. Um, I did like how you were talking about defining your leadership voice and values. And I think that you, you should consider being systematic about that. Start keeping some sort of like a journal or a list about the things that you're noticing your current administration is doing that you agree with or disagree with and why, um, and start keeping a list of the things that you would value on a building level system. Mm -hmm. And then also start to think about the nuance of those. I think it's really easy to say, and I I know I said this in the beginning of my principalship was kids first, always, Mm -hmm. right? I'm always going to make this decision that supports students first. Mm -hmm. That's not always how you can make decisions, right? Decisions are usually a lot more gray than that. (laughs) Also, I am a firm believer that you can have kids and adults first. I agree. I don't think every decision goes down to just what's best for kids because it's the adults that are impacting the kids. And sometimes you are asked to make decisions by some, you know, by your central office, your supervisor, right. That may um, be in conflict with your own values. Right. And so really starting to think about what are my values so that, you know, when you're being asked to do something or you're having to make a decision, is it in conflict with them or not? Because you've already defined them. Right. So here's what I'm going to say about this system. This is what my husband calls Um, when I need my Barack Obama moment. So in Barack Obama's memoir, whenever he would get ready to make a really big decision or a change in his career, he would lock himself in a hotel with legal pads for like at least 24 hours and just write everything in his head. And in his little office that he kept so messy. Uh Uh-huh. And so I, every time I'm starting to think about wanting to switch roles or my impact or I feel like I'm not impacted. My husband's like, you need your Barack Obama moment. And I literally go lock myself in a room and I just write thoughts I have about. I did not notice about you. Oh, yeah. That's when I, we can talk about that next week when we talk about when we leave the principalship. <laughs> but um, it's really good for me to just get every thought I have. And this helped me define my leadership values. Every thought I have about the perfect school, the perfect me as a leader, the perfect, like. The mm, ideal. Mm-hmm, like the what ideal. could be. And it's really good just to spend time with just your brain and write. And it sounds silly, but it really does help me. And it would help you. It helped the president. So like (laughs) (laughs) me and Barack are basically the same person as what I was trying to tell you in terms of our intelligence. Yes. Mm -hmm. The exact same. Pretty sure you went to Harvard. So like I could have, I just didn't try. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding everyone. I could not have. I think you actually did get into Harvard. No, you told me that. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. So Karen, how did you know? personally, that you were ready to become a principal? I think mine's probably different than yours. Yeah, which is okay. What was yours? Well, you tell us first. Oh, okay. I, 
I needed a change in my career. And so I was either going to leave the education profession or I needed to do something that had, I just knew I needed an, I loved impacting kids, but I also could start to see that my impact was small and I wanted to grow it. So I was either going to get out of education and get into like counseling because I cared. You really liked that side of it, Uh like working with students in that way. But then I decided I didn't want to move all the way to Columbia. So Columbia University in New York. I couldn't afford it. (laughs) So then I got a little more realistic and I was like, well, maybe I'll try to be a principal. So as I went through that program, I was like, yes, this feels like me. I was starting to discover my voice and my... Uh, strength in myself and that kind of stuff, blah, 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 that warm and fuzzy stuff. And so then I got into some assistant roles because I knew I wasn't ready to jump straight from classroom to principal. Yeah. So I did like some coaching and some principal, assistant principal. And then I felt, you felt pretty ready pretty quickly after you became an AP, I felt like. Yep. I feel like you know when you're an AP whether or not that can be your yeah. whole future. Yeah. I had a really hard time not being the the person in charge. That's that I know this about me. Now. I like to be in charge. And not that my principal wasn't amazing. Yeah. You're just always going to do things differently. Yeah. And so I started to feel my expiration date. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's the same with, like, my husband's an assistant principal, and I think he could retire in that role. Mm-hmm. He enjoys it. He loves yeah. it. Yeah. He loves not being the final, the buck stop, doesn't stop with him. He loves yeah. that he can have better work-life balance, and he loves, yeah. Yeah. Mine was more... Um, the first time I knew I was ready to move into administration was when I felt like I could do things better Mm. and LOL because everyone has some sort of a thought that they can do things better. And then you get into the role and you're like, wow, it's kind of, again, it's kind of like having a baby Uh where you're the perfect parent. You are such a good parent before Before you have kids. You're also such a great principal before you are actually leading your. We've talked about this before. We've had people like intern with us when as principal, like we were the principal and they would come and do internship hours with us and they'd always have such, oh, why don't you do this? Or have you thought about this? Like, girl, we have thought about that. Wait till you have that kindergartner running away from you without any pants on. (laughs) You ain't going to get that done. You ain't going to get that done. Right. Well, yeah, you just have to prioritize because there's so much going on. Like, yeah, right. you, you have a lot of thoughts about what could be great and right. how to do it, but right. there's only one of you. So um, that was kind of one of the ways, though, that I felt like I knew that I was ready. Um, I also felt like I started to really think about like systems wide thinking rather than just classroom or even like uh-huh. when I was an instructional coach, starting to think about all the different pieces rather than just curriculum instruction. Yeah. Like, thinking about wanting to know more about like finance and behavior uh-huh. and all the other community. Um, and probably the biggest thing was when I felt like I started advocating for teachers, Yep. not necessarily more than kids, but in addition to, yep, um, I think so. And I felt like that was really the turning point for me was when I was like, teachers need X, Y, Z and they're not getting it. And so they can't make the difference they need to with kids. And yep. really thinking about teachers was, that was probably the biggest moment I agree. that I mm-hmm. felt like I was ready. Yeah, I agree. All right, Karen, tell us, what is our From the Desk of the Modern Principal? This is something that you have been, you've you've said forever. I mean, let's just quote myself. This is my favorite thing to do, (laughs) is cite myself. Mm -hmm. So cited for me in 2013. Uh, We always talk about once you've started thinking about you're ready, you're ready. Yep. Like that pop, that thought doesn't pop in your head unless you're ready. Yep. So if you're thinking, I don't know, maybe you're ready. Just start doing some of the stuff. You'll be there. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at The Modern Principal. You'll find more at themodernprincipal.com. And be sure to check out Just Right Reader and your Driven TV. Thanks. Bye.